Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. It's Pride Month here in Western Australia and I really wanted to time this episode to come out to coincide with Pride Month. I wanted to look at the journey into motherhood and what happens when, you know, where does a baby come from? Well, when a mummy and a daddy love each other very much, well, what happens when there isn't a daddy? So I really wanted to try and uh, make this episode line up with Pride Month and, you know, really great that we were able to do that. I'm really fortunate that Sam and Kelly, who were my guests for this interview, were really open and sharing. I think that they also come from the Billy Connolly School of Storytelling in that when we start a story, sort of goes around in circles and at some point somebody sort of reminds us where we started and where we were heading and then we finish the story. So because of that, the episode went a little bit longer than we had intended. So we were saying that the episode should be somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour and we recorded for about two and a half hours. So lots of um, lots of conversations and lots of parts where we dipped into areas that we hadn't necessarily intended to. So what I've done is rather than having a two-hour episode, uh, I've instead cut it down into two episodes. So the first part of this episode, which is tonight's episode, is around Sam and Kelly's actual journey into motherhood and everything they went through in order to become mum and mama. And then in the next episode, that will be the follow-on to that and the conversations around uh, their parenting journey and um, where we really go off script and really kind of dig into some of the other elements of life that um, we perhaps hadn't intended to talk about. But I really appreciate them being so open and um, sharing so much and so freely. So thank you very much. And this is the first where we've split it into two parts. So stick with us for this episode and the next episode where we talk to Sam and Kelly. So today's episode is going to be slightly different. Normally I'm joined by one amazing woman and today I am so very fortunate to be joined by two amazing women and two of their dogs. Um, so today joining me I've got Kelly Pilgrim Byrne. So Kelly had a career work, well I think Kelly's actually probably had many careers, but she had a career working at a university and then had a midlife crisis at 45 to become a professional photographer. And Sam Pilgrim uh, Byrne didn't wait for that same midlife crisis before she left her role at the university. And Sam's gone on to run a home dog boarding business. Um, and that's really exciting because they have dogs come into their home rather than being kenneled and they sleep on their beds and they eat their furniture and they destroy all the toilet rolls and yeah. all the things that go with having sometimes up to, was it 14 dogs in your house? Has been. We're not going there. We're now. not doing that anymore. We've we've scaled back considerably. Yes. Yeah. So I've heard that before. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that yeah, we are also joined by Kenzie and Eric. So a little bit more about Sam and Kelly. They have been together for twenty seven years. Ooh. They've been married for only three years. And they've been married for only three years because Australian government was more than a little bit slow and very embarrassing and only made uh, same-sex marriages legal three years ago and they are both amazing mums mamas mums mama and mummy mama and mum mama and mum mm. to their non-binary 14 year old child alex so thank you so much for both of you joining me today you're welcome it's very brave, 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 of, you. brave, brave of you yeah i agree yeah. i think it is quite brave of me. <laughs> 
I'll try to I'll try to get a word in each one. I do. I need to get it in there. Yeah, I do need to point out I have a dog on my knee who's panting right next right to the microphone. Right next to the microphone. Yeah, that'll be perfect. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, one of the things there are so many parts of your story and your relationship and all sorts of things that we could talk about. But one of the things I wanted to talk about today is how you actually went to become mums and the journey that you had to go on in order to do that. That's yeah. a long story, but yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you can condense it, dear. I can condense it. Yes. I'll try and give you the abridged version. Um, so <clears throat> Sam and I got together about the ages of 23, 24, and then did all the usual youth going out, partying, having fun, and by the time we turned about 30, 31, we decided that actually we were stable enough and that we really would like to add a child. Stable. That's an interesting choice of words. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah, yeah. that's um, right. Sober so, enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided that we actually did want to have a child. And our parents knew about our relationship and us and we were out in the community and there was nothing to hide. We were very much known for who we were. Mm -hmm. So um, we thought that it would be an, a simple process, that we would just go to the doctor and we would get a sperm donor and we would arranged to have a child <laughs> but it was not that simple we discovered very very quickly because we did not know that it was not legal i'm just going to say that actually doesn't sound very simple to me <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, i had three children a much simpler way, way. it yeah. turned out being the most simple thought in the yeah. whole process yeah yeah and it was never going to happen the way well no that's it <laughs> it really wasn't so, our lovely GP referred us to a, and this was about, I think, 1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2000-1999-2
for corralling Gale, Gamer's mythology, into this very big law reform that happened. So we sort of discovered gay and lesbian equality and got on board with them and joined the committee because we were going to change the law so that we could have a baby because it was going to be simple, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know, and then other people said to us, well, there is that, yeah. yeah. And then other people said to us, well, why don't you just go and find a man and do turkey-based oh. at home? Yeah. <laughs> there were lots of discussion about that. And why don't you just go and do that? Because that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. You know, and again not the way we wanted to start our family. Okay for some and works for some and certainly did work for families that did not have any options. But this prior. was 1999 or the year 2000. Yes. This isn't, we're not talking about 1950. We're not no. talking about, no. you know. And, may as well have been. Yeah, yeah and, well been. you know, as much as my children, so the other day we were having a conversation and my two oldest children said something about, you know, last century. I said, are you talking about the 90s? And they gave each other such a wicked grin. So while it is last century, it's still, you know, we're not yeah. talking about the olden days. Yeah, that's so right. This that's is right. modern history. Yeah. yeah. As early as 1999, yes. Yes. women were still having to use turkey-based use turkey methods at home. Or lie. Or yes. lie. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And most lesbian couples, to my knowledge, uh, because there were lots of lesbian families yeah. that were just not out. That's it. And they were not. They just lived together as good friends. Yeah. yeah. And they saved and, space by sleeping in the same bedroom. Were, <laughs> yeah. Lesbians were having children. Yeah, but, but they, they were, were invisible. They were always invisible. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> what does that feel like to be invisible? I've gone off track. I'll come back upon it. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible. I mean, for a long part of our relationship, I, I couldn't. we couldn't tell anyone. Um, we, if then when we did come out, it, we were the butt of jokes. Uh, we were out of at work because um, we worked together. That's where we met um, and became aware that senior staff were sending an email around talking about us. So um, there's nothing easy about that. And that was all. in a health organisation. So and you would expect better from. Yeah, and yeah. a tertiary. No, this was oh, before, this before that. Yeah, right. but yeah. still. An organisation where you expect uh, educated people to be working absolutely. and you expect people to be yeah. more forward-thinking yes. than that. Yeah, yes. service pro they provide <coughs> caring services, medical and caring services. So, um, that to was... their clients, not necessarily to their staff. Yeah, that's right. So that yeah. was a bit of a shock to, mm. to start with. Yeah. Um, and Eric was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's still shocked. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it was difficult and uh, we were not out for a long time. We're not out to our families um, because we didn't know what would happen as a result of that. But it turned out to be my family was brilliant and Sam's family was not. Um, but that's just something that another thing to deal with. Really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we thought it would be the other way around. We thought my family might have difficulties and Sam's would be fine, but it was the other way around. Mm -hmm. And I suppose that's I look. I'd really love to unpack what that was like for you mm. and how. But I'm yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying <laughs> no, really hard. Um, but I suppose that something to take from that is that you actually don't know how people are going to react. No, you don't. no. And it's often not. the you people don't. who you think are going to be yeah. really close-minded. Not saying that you thought your parents were going to be yeah. close-minded, but it's often the people who you think are going to be hundred percent. They're yeah. the ones who are really accepting, and yeah. the ones who you think, well, you're so you're so yeah. open. You're so. And they think, oh, wow, and that's what we're experiencing from you. Yeah. Yes. The one thing that you can absolutely be guaranteed of is that you'll be surprised. Mm. Yeah. 
yeah. in both directions, you'll be surprised. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went to him. We joined Gay and Lesbian Equality. Can I bring us back to that? Yeah, yeah, please do. Please do. Somebody needs to. <laughs> so we started working behind the scenes with Gay and Lesbian Equality. So we were just committee members and we were doing things like, um, so at the time, there was, it was, and I've, I've got this here because I'm going to absolutely forget <laughs> what it was called, uh, but it was law reform that went between 1999 and 2002 was mm -hmm. the first tranche of it, and that was um, the Axe Amendment Lesbian and Gay Law Reform Bill, and it was huge. I think that's and, disgusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, so what it dealt with was age of consent because at that time, oh, gay still men 21, was still 21, wasn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> when everyone else and was 16. And it was, 16, yeah. and it was um, a criminal act. Criminal yeah. act. They could have yeah. been jailed. A 21-year-old yeah. could have been jailed for having a relationship. With a 20-year-old. With a 20-year-old. Yeah. Um, so and yet a 60-year-old man can have a relationship with a 16-year-old girl, girl and yeah, that's completely good. fine. All good. Yeah. 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 So the things that they were seeking to change, and as I said, Damien was an absolute hero in this, the things that they were seeking to change were <clears throat> age of consent, equal opportunity, act, mm -hmm. um, adoption and IVF. Mm -hmm. Because at the time we were allowed to foster children, but we were not good enough to adopt them. Or have your own. Or have our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, through means that were legal. <clears throat> so the, the women that came before us, you know, they might do it themselves with turkey bakers or bases or whatever in their own homes, but none of it was legal. Yeah. So all they could get was a stat deck from the man who was donating saying, I agree not to take the child off you. And there were well-documented cases in the US of, I remember one in particular, I can't remember the details of, um, a lesbian couple who had a child with a man who ended up being sent to prison for something quite serious. Uh, when he was came out of prison, he decided he wanted custody of the child, and after, I think the child was 11 by that stage, and he got custody of the child, full custody of the child. Because, oh my God! Yeah, because at that stage, being he was the legal father. Well, yeah. he was the legal father, but also I'm imagining that at that stage, yeah. being gay was considered such yes, a heinous absolutely. act that yeah. that being in prison being, was better. Well, that's it. Yeah. And imagine that, being a convicted yeah. felon, being seen by society to be as a more stable a parent mother. than a gay yeah. mother. Yeah. That was actually, I remember, as we were talking, it was one of, like, that sort of scenario was one of the things why we weren't prepared to do yeah. um, any sort of underhanded thing because it meant that we wouldn't have solid watertight um, yeah. 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 Because when you access a clinic, um, it's done in such a way that you access the, uh, the you know, the counselling services mm -hmm. and the man signs away his rights. Yeah. So even if it's a known donor that you take there to yourselves, mm -hmm. um, he still signs away his rights so that you can have whatever relationship you agree to personally with yeah. him. But if push comes to shove and years down the track he goes, well, I want custody. Yeah. He can't. Oh, there's no legal, there's rights, no legal there. rights to that. Yeah. So, so it was really important that we had these rights mm -hmm. in, in WA. Um, so they were the main, and there was a heap, a host of other ones as well. And, and through the Equal Opportunity Act, there were lots mm. that spilled out yeah. from that. Um, but they were the main ones. Anyway, so we got involved. We got involved in letter writing campaigns. So there was a, the, and I'll call them the nasty Christian right, <laughs> because. Um, I don't believe that all Christians feel this way. 
but the ones that were against us at the mm. time <clears throat> were very, very nasty. Yeah, they're pretty venomous. Actually. They were very venomous. And yeah, they my would... very lovely um, grandmother-in-law, my husband's grandmother, um, had a lovely saying that was, "Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing on a street corner makes you yeah. a lamppost." Yeah. Yes. So absolutely. yeah, I think yeah, 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 just because that's... you go to church and you yeah. might doesn't read the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. Yeah. 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 So so we were up against the very very right wing Christians who uh, thought that it was all Helen Brimstone that we were trying to do. Um, and they uh, would appear, you know, in the paper mm. against us. And with the headlines, you only need to go back and search for them. But the headlines were atrocious, like um, the gay men are going to take my babies. <clears throat> you know, the gay men, the pedophiles are going to target yeah. my son. Mm. All this kind of stuff. None of which is actually true. A pedophile is a pedophile. It is a criminal act mm -hmm. as opposed to you know, 21-year-olds yeah. engaging in consensual relationships. So, um, or 16-year-olds. So, uh, anyway, so it was very nasty. It was, we got death threats in the mail. Um, we got all kinds of things, you know, happening because we were, we, we didn't know we were going to be quite so visible. Mm. And so... Um, so how did you become so visible? Well, the, we became more visible later. So the first bit was just we were behind the scenes. Yeah. We were doing letter-writing campaigns and... If someone wrote a letter to the newspaper, um, we would have 10 or 20 people on standby to respond to that letter ah. in a very calm, rational, non-angry way yeah. with facts. Mm -hmm. And so we would say, right, you people write in response to this letter. Yeah. And we would give them talking points. Take the emotion out of it yeah. and let's just actually yeah. work with what let's the facts are yeah. and educate people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's exactly the this, whole way. There was a period they were talking about, um, and this did come from the Christian right in the US, in fact they released pamphlets and books about the gay agenda. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how we were yeah. going to convert all the straight people to, to our sinful lifestyle. So. It's interesting because I think they spent a fair amount of time trying to convert gay people to be straight and mm. that didn't work. So and I'm not sure how don't. they thought it was going to go the yeah, other way around. That's but right. That's right. Give it a fair crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's called hypocrisy. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> I've heard of that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we were involved in that and then it was all very, very... Um, it was the McGinty, they were, they were loosely called the McGinty reforms. Mm -hmm. So it was Jim McGinty, who was mm. the Attorney General at the time, under um, Jeff Gallagher. Jeff Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So he was at the head, and we called it the McGinty reforms. And so McGinty championed these reforms, and he went in hard. Mm. And um, if you look at Hansard from those times, from like 2002. And for people who don't know what Hansard is? Yes, Hansard is a, is a literal record of what is said in Parliament. Yeah. Both upper house and lower house. I just so, learned that a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we learned it a few years ago. Yeah. Right. Sadly. Sadly. Yeah. Um, but it was horrific. Some of the things, like Peter Foss at the time, the uh, in the opposition. Which I wouldn't even repeat. So I uh, we're not even going to repeat so them because they're so offensive yeah. and so horrible. Yeah. But we made it our mission to sit in that gallery and listen to as much debate as we could. Well, Which and make we them did. be aware. And make them be aware that we were holding them listening. We were holding them accountable. How did that feel? Awful. <laughs> yeah. Horrific. We sometimes we get into the car to leave and just burst into tears. I mean, it was just the stress of having to listen to people so tell us that we were disgusting and despicable. We were going to hell. God did not believe in yeah. us. We were going to be punished. And for me, my family had said that. At least there's going to be a party down there. Yeah. Think of all the pink litter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it was horrific. And you had people like Robin McSweeney, who was in opposition as well, and she Although did the she very, became a meme. She did become a meme, <laughs> and she be, and meme. she actually became a um a parade afloat in the following year no, after it was float. because she talked about the lesbian, the bouncing lesbians. <laughs> In the parade, so uh, the year there's after, no better mental picture. Oh, there's not well, even there bouncing really on that, each other. The lesbians it bouncing on each other. It was the one time in that whole process I remember we everyone bursting out laughing, bursting out in laughter, I which mean, drives her even more insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. But then the following year after it was passed, someone arranged a float with you know those um those hoppers, yeah, hoppers. Yeah, yeah, the hoppers with them. With all lesbians bouncing on the hoppers through the entire parade. It's the funniest thing ever. And they were all dressed They in... must have been exhausted. I right? know. Yeah, yeah, such a long way. <laughs> yes. and, and they were all dressed like Robin McSweeney. It was the best thing ever. Yeah. And so she's that joke has become a joke that's yeah. stood the test of time. Um, so we got involved in that. It eventually passed in 2002 and was made law. Oh, and we got just about all of them through. We had to compromise on religious, <clears throat> exemptions. religious exemptions. We had to compromise on that to be able to get everything else through. So there were a few compromises, but we went, you know what? It's mostly there. Let's get this battle through. for the future. Let's yeah, get yeah, this yeah. through now. And um, that battle for the future is still happening. It's still it's happening. Just, That's yeah, happening yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and so I'm a, a marriage celebrant. Yes. And when it, came, when it became yeah. legal that we could do same-sex marriages, I actually got a letter through asking did I want to access their religious exemption so that I didn't I was not obligated to perform oh same sex marriage. So that came yeah. from the government. That came from the government. So proactively they were saying Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was yeah. you know, after all the excitement yeah. about gay marriage becoming legal and what that yeah. meant, same sex marriage, sorry, becoming legal, what that meant, and then to get this, it was actually just such it, a downer. It really was. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so just, you know, and that's three years ago, but we're still seeing that oh. now and that's 20, Definitely. 21 years yeah. after, yeah. Every well, time 19 years after. Every time we start to celebrate about our wins, there's that little kickback that you go, oh, but we haven't quite done that yet. Yeah. It's the same though with, you know, with the things around feminism, isn't it? How oh, far yeah. have we come? Mm-hmm. But yeah. there's still the between 9 and 25% pay gap and the glass yeah. ceiling's still there. So You look at it objectively even and it's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So I think definitely, though, on the grand scheme of things, celebrate the wins. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And we we'll so, do. So really that, well. So that yeah. night. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> that night, but we don't drink anymore. No, we don't. Oh, yeah. no. So that night that it passed in 2002, or it might have been 2001, and it was enacted in 2002. But anyway... We did the all-night sitting. So they sat all night to get this legislation through in the lower house. And we sat up with Giz Watson from the Greens in the... I've got goosebumps because I can just imagine what it must have been like. It was. I'm getting goosebumps again yeah. now just thinking about it. And um, we sort of were sleeping on and off <laughs> in the... Lying on the lying on, on the, the floor. Uncomfortable <laughs> benches. Oh, those benches are awful. They're terrible. Yeah. Um, but we were Not up lovely. there. I know. But there's this very small group of us that were up there all night, that refused. that refused to move. We wanted to see it through, and we were part of that. And it was the most incredible thing. And so we walked out, it passed, everybody erupted into oh, cheers. And, of course, well, not everybody. Cheers I mean, and people cheers. People on our side. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we walked out, and it was daylight, and it was the most beautiful, sunny, gorgeous day. And it was, I, I think it might have even been spring, I'm not sure. It was a beautiful day, mm. and it was like, it, it was literally like, 
a, just a new day. Yeah, a new you know? dawn. Yeah, a new dawn. It was like, wow, it was early in the morning and the media scrum were there and Louise Pratt was there mm-hmm. from Labor and um, we had our big rainbow flag and we wrapped it around Louise and she appears on the, the paper in the next day on the front page in our flag wrapped with, you know, breaking it all. Yeah. And it was just... Which we still have. Which we still have, yeah. Um, but it was truly the most incredible thing. And then we thought, right, we've changed the laws, now let's have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> One Carol's sleep first, okay? Yeah. <laughs> with Carol's usual determination, I'll make an appointment tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hun, I haven't slept for three days. Can we please have a night's sleep? <laughs> so then I discovered then I discovered that actually it wasn't enacted yet and I had to wait. <laughs> So you had how long to sleep in between? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time off, time off. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so once it was enacted, we immediately because we were we were uh, we'd already been known to concept, you know, because mm. we made inquiries to them. But as soon as we knew it was going to pass, we rang and we registered, um, and we went in and we had our first appointment. Yes. And they were lovely. Oh god. They were really, really. Lovely. Oh, they were they, awesome. we, we cannot fault anything that concept did. They were yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah. And it was when they were still at King Eddie, mm. so a long time ago. And when um, you'd be sitting there having blood taken, and there was like four couples in the room, like there were, you know, within two years there were like thirty. Yeah, wow. Yeah, sort of huge. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, so we decided that I would try first because I was the one that really wanted to carry a child, and Sam was like, hey. uh, and also because my family. Yeah, and my family was most supportive, right? Yeah, my family were asses, but. <laughs> <laughs> So we had to wait for it to be enacted. Once it was enacted, we got put on their donor wait list. Mm. Now, because we didn't have a known donor no. at this point. Now, didn't even think about a known donor. We didn't. Really. We were just happy to be able to access a clinic, right? So a part of accessing a clinic is going along and having psychological appointments and counselling oh sessions. Oh, my God, and you passed? I know. <laughs> to this day, we don't know how. But, um, but so we went and did all that. You I should preface have... this with, I have known you for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. I wouldn't do this if this was the yeah. first time I was meeting yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so we signed up. We were on the wait list and we waited for two and a half years. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> initially initially the fo- on the forms, men or donors could single um, oh, women and lesbians say that they or wouldn't no. donate. Yeah, to single women or lesbians. They were given the choice. So it was actually on the form. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So it, it took two and a half years before one single man decided he would donate to single women and lesbians. And then you had to split that between all of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Then we panicked because we yeah. said that's exactly what we thought. It was like, how many other people? Are yeah. <laughs> we were like, you know. Oh. So, so it took us, I think we signed up at about uh, 34 34. Yeah, yeah. I was 34. Yeah. And it, because it had taken us that long <laughs> to get there, yeah. you know. And so, um, well, we signed up at 32. Signed up at 32, got the call yeah. at 34 to say we've got a donor. And I'm like, I'm expecting a list of donors that I can choose, you know, <laughs> perhaps some characteristics. Oh, no, there's one donor. Well, the characteristic you. is male yeah. and has sperm. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> that essentially was it. And they sent through the form and I went, ah. Uh, Okay, this is exciting, but weird. Yeah. All at the same time. So we said yes. So you see it like in American movies, and they've got like a catalogue, and yeah, they're going yeah. through picking. Yeah, no, we got one form. And, <laughs> and at that time, no identifying anything. So oh also goodness, the law so got... at the time was just blonde hair, blue eyes. 
that was it. So no health information? No. no. You no. found out what his occupation was, I think, and that was it, really. Um, and so no, no choice beyond that. And then worse still, that we discovered was worse still, was that um, at the time the law did not allow for donor children to access information about their donors at the age of 16, ah. like they currently do. So that was changed later. Yeah. So when we accessed it, any child we had, that would be an unknown donor for life. Right? So we started the process um, at, quickly to discover that I had very serious issues in terms of endometriosis. Ah. And... Um, I was having great problems falling pregnant, which, you know, looking back is probably a godsend, to be honest, because we were unable to fall pregnant. So during the whole process, we we, sh we had about 45 rounds of IVF. So you went with the, the one donor that was available? Yeah, yes, and because we didn't know of any other, we yeah. had no other options. Yeah. Um, so we went with that initially, and I, I tried first, and um, I had seven miscarriages in between starting and the end of the process. And uh, it, it was sort of as that was happening that... So how long do you have to wait in between miscarriages before you can go for another... A couple, couple of cycles, yeah. if ah. you do a full cycle. So I pretty much did them back to back wherever I could. Um, okay, so how was it like living with <laughs> Kelly? Hell. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even let me get with all the hormones, no, no, no. just in general. <laughs> And on top of that, I had, I had a phobia of needles and I had to give her needles and it was freaking me out. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about yeah, that yeah, yeah, I yeah. no longer have a phobia of needles. <laughs> I bet. Because how many? So seven cycles. So 45 cycles. Oh, my God. I, between us. So I did about 40 of those. <laughs> and Sam ended up doing five. I'm, I'm referred, commonly referred to as what's known as a breeder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, cause, because we started off with just IUI, because you don't make assumptions that you actually yeah, have fertility IUI. problems. Yeah. So IUI, intrauterine insemination, yeah. which is just the semen is positioned, which is placed within you. Yeah. And um, let it do its thing. At yeah. the right time. So they take blood tests. Yeah. And so when you're about to ovulate, you go in and you have a blood test every morning or every other morning. So you to go to King Eddie yeah. every morning yeah. or every other yeah. morning. Yeah, before yeah. work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for four years. Work was pretty amazing. Yeah. Respect. Anyway, so we would do that. And we're just kind of going, like, all of this sinking in. That's horrific. It was horrific. It was, a, it was, it, yes, it was. Because <laughs> that's what, um, a 40 minute drive yeah, minimum yeah. every morning. Yeah, there and back, because then we had to be at work at 8.30. Yeah, that's exhausting. Yeah. Really exhausting. So you've got all the hormones that are happening, plus you've got to drive in, and obviously you're not driving every day, but it's yeah. still. But during the. Like, a fair chunk. Yeah, yeah, when you reach the peak time you sort of it's about a six day period window yeah. of opportunity and you go in if well 10 days usually you go in every second day initially and then every day until you get closer so they can time your ovulation and then you might go to work and they'll get blood test results back and they'll say right you have to be in the clinic at three o'clock today because we need to do an examination it so consumes you it's all consuming yeah. Um, and so during, yeah, so we were using the unknown donor initially, but the more this went on, the more I started to feel uncomfortable with any any resultant child not knowing where they come from and not giving them that choice. Can I ask a really odd you question? Totally can. How did it feel having a total stranger's semen inside of you? I don't think I've even actually thought about it, to be honest, because it was kind of like a Because it kind of creeps me out. <laughs> Yeah, it was the mean, first time it creeped me out. Yeah. yeah it, it really went, oh, no, I gave this up for a long time. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. 
I think weird. for me, I think for me, it was a means to an end. Yeah. And I would have literally out. done anything. Yeah. To have a child, so yeah. I, I think I just blocked that out and yeah. went. You know what? That's what's going to allow me to have a child, and I'm really grateful that a total stranger has done that. For yeah, me. yeah. So I turned it around and kind of went down the grateful route mm. that you know someone, a complete stranger, would be willing to do that. I turn. I did the. You break up. Okay. As long as I'm not alone. Only for the first. You, you sort of um, in your mind. It becomes mechanical. Medical process. Yeah, it becomes very it medical. Does. It's yeah. a very medical thing. Do the, do the sperm mm. donors get paid? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, they do, but it's a very small amount. Mm -hmm. It's nothing extraordinary. Yeah, so no one's retiring off it? <laughs> no. no. Well, and there I think there's been one or two in history that have retired yeah, off it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here they're only allowed to donate a certain amount of times okay. to a certain amount of families. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they would, our child would never ever know who mm. that person was. Yeah. And it was actually becoming more and more important to me that they did have that option. Yeah. So weirdly, at the same time, we'd been going for a couple of years at this point, <laughs> and weirdly, at that same time, we were still involved in gay. We actually became conveners of gay and lesbian equality because then, oh yeah, that's right. In two thousand and four, Colin Barnett, in the um, opposition, mm -hmm. decided that he would run into the two thousand and five election with "I'm going to roll it all back" mm. campaign. And so that's when we ended up on the front page of all newspapers, unwillingly, but we were so able no to, one else to do because it. everybody, yeah. we were out to everyone, we had frozen embryos and he was going to stop us accessing them mm. because that's And you'd fought for two years yeah, to, to make this happen. To make it happen. Yeah. And, and there was then... no way Colin Baby was going to take that <laughs> off me <laughs> at this point in time. I think that Colin Baby, as you so affectionately call him, mm, I, I felt the affection there. That rolling it back would be a bad decision. He did I get a lot of social backlash. Good. Yeah. yeah. And not just from queer people. From, yeah. Um, from our allies. Yeah. He went, you know what? It's been in for two years now. Sky hasn't fallen in. No. You know, it's and fine. lots of people didn't realise. This is the thing that always astounded me, actually. I was always astounded at how many people had no concept that we didn't have equal rights. Well, look, I, I started volunteering at the AIDS Council when I was 17, mm -hmm. so which was around 1999. Yeah. And so many things were just horrifying to me to find those things out. Yeah. And I remember somebody arguing with me about um, saying that, uh, lesbian couples shouldn't have the right to have children. Yeah. And I just turned around and went, you know, no lesbian's ever fallen pregnant accidentally. Yeah, that's right. So that's chances right. are they really want this yeah, baby. Right. So, and, so yeah. yeah, so I just, it's, it just horrifies me. Yeah, it is. That, and it's still happening now. It is. Yeah, 100%. So he went to the election with a document called Family First, Defining the Difference Statement. And this was at the end of 2004 when we then were forced to step up and become very public. How did you manage to take the emotion out of responding to it that? It was super hard. So this is some okay. of the stuff he was saying. Uh, the position statement outlines the party's opposition to allowing homosexual couples to adopt children at this time. The party was also against single women or lesbians having access to IVF. Too bad, because we were already doing it. <laughs> um, under Mr Barnett's leadership, the proposal was to increase the age of consent again for homosexual sex from 16 to 21, uh, and then allowing any mention of homosexuality in school was also off the agenda in 2002. Oh my God. Mm. The Libet statement reads, 
The Liberal Party does not support homosexual couples having access to the family court either. So if relationships broke down, lesbian and gay couples and families had to go to the civil court and pay a fortune to have their case heard. And he wanted to roll all that back so that would happen again. Whereas our laws yeah. removed all that. Anyway, so 2004, yep, we were still very much in the midst of IVF and discovering that, oh, I'm not really comfortable. So in the midst of IVF, in yeah. the midst of you having all of these hormones injected into you. He's saying. He's saying this, and then you yeah. then became poster children for yes. making it. Yes, it kind of did go like that. <laughs> I can only imagine how well that went. Well, it was it was it was hard, but I do have the ability to step back from from very emotional situations. It's yes. very difficult when you're having hormones injected mm. into you to be able to step back. So yeah. rationally and normally, yes. Yeah. But when you've got when yeah. you're being literally pumped full of hormones, oh, even yeah. without hormones, I wanted to punch someone in the face. Yes. I was so <laughs> angry. We're just hearing that. I want to swear, and yeah. it's not impacting me. Yeah, yeah, so I, I sort of I, I sort of between was between crying and so angry I wanted to punch someone. Yeah. It was just inconceivable, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. um, so then we, we were on the front page of everything. The Sunday yeah. Times, the West, we were doing hearings, like public hearings. Yeah. Um, and it was... Human Rights, we appeared before the Human, human rights, rights Commission. Commission, we appeared before them and told our story. And, oh, hi. That's <laughs> um, um, and so it was a very, it was a very hectic time very hectic time but it, it was absolutely the time that we had to stay calm, yeah. calm about it um <laughs> can you stop talking please <laughs> yes, yes. um it was it was a hundred percent the time that we needed to stay calm yeah um because if we didn't oh that's and it. we inflamed the public you we yeah, lost right into it yeah we lost yeah you know so no matter how much we were feeling at home the pain and anger we would walk out that door with that face on that just said um we just told our story. We're just not going to accept it. Yeah. We told our story and we brought a human face mm. to it, to the issues. And we brought and people with us we did. rather yeah, than we argue did. about what's right or wrong. You know, we just yeah. basically said, well, this is us yeah. and this is what we'd like. This is our experience. Yeah. Is, you know, yeah. I, I, we went in the we were in the paper saying what's going to happen to our frozen embryos. Are you going to kill them, Mr. Barnett? Um, because that's essentially yeah. what he was saying he was going to do. And all of you Christians who are saying, you know, how do you feel about yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. Where's so, your pro-life? That's it. Where's, Where's your pro-life now? Yeah. So it was horrific, um, but I was not, There's there was no way that we were coming that far as mm. a community and I was going to lay down and go, oh, yeah, sure, roll it back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Feel free to make decisions yeah. about my entire and, life. Yeah. You know, and anyone who knows, Kelly, don't say no. <laughs> <laughs> So we made an appointment. We were conveners of gay and lesbian equality then as well. So we'd stepped up with Rob Swift, who's now over east. And we, um, I rang Colin Barnett's office and spoke to his secretary and befriended her and asked for an appointment. Ah. And we got one. Oh, yeah. yes. It was, and that was exactly how we felt. Oh, yeah. oh, we got one. I wasn't remarkable. actually expecting. <laughs> no. No. But no, we got one. We. Um, and he heard us out. And we went in and we had a very civil discussion with him um, and he, uh, you know, told us that personally he does not agree with us having children. Mm. Uh, I said, okay, well, good talk, mm. um, but too bad yeah. because it's going to happen and we've got a loving home 
We've got a loving family and we've got a loving extended network of friends and family who are going to love this child. It was a bizarre conversation. It was bizarre. On one hand, he was saying, I'm aware of you, I'm aware of your work, uh, I really... You know, I respect, what, I you're respect what you're doing. And on the other hand, he's saying... Personally, I don't agree with anyone. You can't have children. It was a, it was weird, a very weird... Yeah. Anyway, but, but I felt glad that we'd had the opportunity to go and talk to him um, on a one-on-one basis and say what we felt, yeah, you know, and how it was actually affecting real people. Mm. And we took not just our example, but we took other examples with us yeah. as to how it was affecting real people. And that was the key. It was real people with their real examples yeah. of how it was affecting their lives and their children's lives. And so um, he didn't get elected. What a shame. And you know they those... did remove it, though, from their platform. Uh, they did. So we got did. a lot of pressure put on them, a lot yeah. of pressure. Um, and uh, Not, They had nothing to do with us. It mm. had everything to do with, with the public. With the, with the yeah. public. Combined of um, people. Yeah. Was... The allies, they all came forward and said, don't be so ridiculous. Yeah. This has been happening for two years. It's fine. Let them be. Yeah. And then he became you know, a bit of the, de- the, the, the devil kind yeah. of thing. And he had a big backlash against him and they withdrew that from their platform. Yeah. Just going to the election, but they didn't get elected anyway. So we've pushed on. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> we pushed on. And in that pushing on, we, during that phase, we actually had um, someone from Tasmania who we knew uh, on the periphery come over here who was very involved in gay and lesbian law reform and had been for 30 years, mm-hmm. for a long time. And he came over here and we'd known him through gay and lesbian equality, but we actually sat down and had a breakfast meeting with him. Mm. And we just hit it off. He was an absolute delight. Mm. And um, when he went back, I said to Sam, you know what? I'm not really comfortable with this unknown donor thing anymore. And if we could choose a donor, how good would he be if we could choose to have a father for our child or a donor for our child. Yeah. How do you think you had that conversation? That's exactly the question that I was about to ask. Well, Kelly will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so I said to Sam, what do you think? And Sam said that would be amazing if we could do he that. That would be amazing, but Bag's not talking to him about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no way. Um, he was and still is one of my heroes. Yeah. I mean, he really is. If without this, just He's an incredible, incredible yeah, human being. Um, so I rang him and I said, so, you know, hypothetically speaking, <laughs> and I did actually say that, if we were to ask you to be our donor, what might you say? <laughs> and he said, well, hypothetically, I would say I would have to think about it. Mm. I said, good, can you do that? <laughs> and so we was all very civil and we decided that he would think about it and we would give him as much time as he needed to carefully and properly consider it. Yeah. Because uh, being in other state as well, that opened up another. Yeah. Tank, you know. Yeah, we had, you know, he had a lot of questions. So we kind of stopped. Mm. We had like a little bit of a break using the unknown donor. Yes. Uh, like a three month break. Yeah. And then three months later, he came back to us and he rang and he said, "I've thought about it, and it would be a privilege." Oh. Yeah. And so we kind of went. Oh my God, oh my God. And and then we had to do all sorts of things like fly him over here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because we needed to do individual counselling again and then he had to do individual counselling and then we had to do counselling as a family unit or yeah. group, and I use inverted commas with that, um, to make sure that we had all thought about any issues. That... Oh, sorry. Guys, guys, you're interrupting us again. 
how to break the mood. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we had to fly him over and all of that had to happen. And then he had to donate, obviously. Yeah. And then there was a time period on that where we had to wait for all the test results to come back um, until we could actually start. And then there's also a cooling off period. And now keep in mind, we've been doing this for two and a half yeah. years already at this point. So then we had a cooling off period and then we all were like, we're cool yeah. and we're fine to continue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've cooled off. We've cooled <laughs> off. Can we please Two and a half again? years, seriously. Yeah, yeah, I'm we, cold. We're, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, you were a bit like that. We were. Yeah. We were like we, mechanical. We were actually yeah. like, is this ever going to happen? Um, and we were getting to the point where I don't actually think this is going to happen. Mm. You know, and we were looking into adopt, uh, you know, options for adopting children. Yeah. But, of course, as a lesbian couple, we were not allowed to adopt children from other countries. Oh, my goodness. Certain other countries. There are most few, other countries. Yes, most other countries. countries at that point. Ones here, we don't really have adoption here mm. anymore. So, you know, we would be on a wait list here for 10 years potentially. Yeah. Ah. So we then started looking into foster care, which was another option that we thought we could perhaps come to parenting with. Yeah. Um, anyway, then we got the green light to go ahead. So we went ahead and I started again and um, did the other 25 <laughs> cycles of IVF or whatever it was that came oh next. Oh, my God. And had another – there were early miscarriages. Let's clarify that. There were early miscarriages, but they were seven early miscarriages during that time. And the hard part with – IVF is that you actually do you find out that you're pregnant yes really early on and then you see it all just slip away yeah because you also so once you get a positive you have to then go back for blood tests yeah every day again oh my goodness and see if your numbers are going up or going down and this is what this was the cycle we were in and so at the end of that uh so I was working okay I've got questions sorry (laughs) yeah so did you how did you find te- like so? That's a lot of miscarriages to go through. Yes. Yeah. How did you find telling people? Like, did you get to a point where you? Went, I didn't tell them I, wanna... I was pregnant. Yeah. Did yeah. you the first time at all? Yes. The first one that we had a decent result. Yeah. That was a good blood test. Yeah. Because some of them were like, mm, it's quite low. It's iffy, yeah. We don't know if it's going to happen. Um, but the one we had that was a good result, I did tell some people, close people, yeah. but didn't really tell anyone else yeah you know what I mean so I didn't want to go through that pregnant not pregnant pregnant, yeah. not pregnant thing every single time it happened so I learned pretty quickly to not actually say much that's hard as well though because you've yeah. only got each other to lean on yeah in definitely. that situation you do become incredibly insular yeah. you do, really insular. You do. Uh, yeah. and it's why um some marriages fall apart some mm. relationships fall apart for us it just made we're just so determined it wasn't until after the whole process I wrote a book Mm. That we went far out. That was well, hard. How did we get through that? That was really hard. Mm. You know, when you're in it, you kind of just, you're in it. Yeah. And you're so determined that this is the end goal that you just are in it and you keep going with whatever it takes. I did get to a point, though, so I was working at one of the universities and I had my own office at the time because I was a senior admin person. And I had the most beautiful boss at the time and he knew I was doing this and allowed me to do it. I used to shut my door every lunchtime and sleep on the floor. Oh, nice. (laughs) Just sleep on the floor for my lunch break, you know, and then get up and keep going with the day because it was exhausting. It was exhausting. And then by the end of it, once I'd had that final miscarriage, I just went, you know what, I can't do this. We, We went and had me looked at 
Yeah, so well, I thought, right. yeah, yeah, I thought I thought I had endometriosis based on heavy periods. And everyone kept mm. saying, no, don't worry about it. No one really does, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so our, an obstetrician who ended up being our obstetrician, he decided to actually do an investigation. And he said, if you have, I'll remove whatever I can yeah. and then that made life easy to continue. Mm. So um, he went in and then called Sam. He in. rang me before <laughs> Kel was even awake and said, I'm so sorry, but it's too extensive to ignore him. I can't remove any of it. And there's no chance that she's going to fall pregnant. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. 45 cycles yes, yes, and yes, there was yes. no chance. Yeah. What did that do for you? Well, it made us broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not it made, cheap. And, you know, then we've got to go fund. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> we should, actually. But then now, isn't it? We should. We should. Yeah. Um, so it was devastating, but also... Um, conclusive yeah. in terms of, well, okay, if that is the response. You think, why didn't somebody do something yes. after the yes. fifth cycle? Yes. Not we after. Asked. We asked. We, we did ask. and asked. Yeah. And, um, and they all kind of said, oh, no, there wouldn't be anything wrong. No. Oh, good. X-ray eyes, have because you? My, you can tell. Because my, my eggs and my embryos were fine. They were fine. And, and the Petri dish, yeah. I just couldn't carry them. Sadly, you can't grow a baby in a Petri dish. No. Right. I really wish you could. Yeah. Really wish you could. Me too. Be so, a lot easier getting them out. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Like, take the lid off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that point, I kind of went, right, I'm done now. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I, uh, you know, I said to But Sam, we had to get to that point. I didn't want Kel to ever regret yeah. and think that we hadn't done everything, everything yeah. humanly possible. Yeah. So at that point, I went, you know what? We have done everything we could possibly do to make this happen, and it's just not going to happen with me. So, spare womb. <laughs> Got to have some benefits. That'd be great, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. You can yeah. discriminate against me, but you can't but... take my womb away. <laughs> <laughs> so, in goes Sam, and she starts trying, um, and they made arrangements so that we could use our same known donor, yeah. Sam, right? Because we'd all done the counselling, so yeah. we'd sort of done all that in preparation, just in case. So, um, you took, I think, six months. Yes. Six months of cycles. So yes. maybe three, I think, on the third cycle, Sam fell pregnant. And then it yeah, was like. It was amazing. It was oh amazing. my God. In fact, happening. though, I was at work. You were home that day. I don't know why you I were was home. home. I was and home. And you got the call, and then you rang me and said, <gasps> Can, we, pregnant? Can we swear? Yeah, of course. You said, you said, You're fucking pregnant. And I went, How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> I actually said that to the lady at the clinic. Yeah. When she yeah. said, She's pregnant. I said, "How the fuck did that happen?" Yes. Because <laughs> by this point, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. you're on first hand basis. Yeah, yeah. Like you're inviting them around for oh, Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Some of them have to cry wedding. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm getting yeah. to that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So beautiful people, absolutely beautiful people. And um, so yeah, so we were on our way then, and um, now we now that person is fourteen. Yeah. And has contact with their donor dad. And we've been over there and we've visited him and his family and his mum and his and sister and, here. and he's come here. They visited here. So, and we know that Alex will always have open arms there whenever they want yeah. to, if they want to. It's so interesting when you see them together. They're, they're so connected. Yeah. You know, even though they don't have don't, a lot of time yeah. with each other, yeah. when they are There's together, a definite connection. Yeah, 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 they're really connected. It's really gorgeous. Which is lovely. And because we've been open right from the beginning with Alex about about their conception, about how they were born, about yeah. everything, there's been absolutely no anger or angst. 
from them. Yeah. Because their story has been told openly to them from the start. Mm. Has Alex ever had any issue with the fact that there was so much publicity about it? So, you know, so much, like, not many kids have to deal with the fact, you know, their conception being plastered all over the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And I can't imagine that Alex would have any issue with it. No. No, in fact, they haven't really spoken about it. We've got all of the newspaper articles and everything. Yeah. Um, I honestly feel that because, you know, we just, you know, have verbal diarrhoea most of the time. Anyway, we couldn't not... (laughs) Um, be open and honest about what our lives have been. Also, we want the child to know how how hard it was for us. Yeah. No, I'm joking. <laughs> well, no, exactly. This is the amount of debt we got into. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. Yeah, Your yeah, first yeah. job, we're taking half every that's week right. to pay Until back. Until you retire. <laughs> so Alex is very pragmatic. Like, we have a lot of conversations around, well, everything. We do. But um, certainly they've grown up from the word go knowing they have two mums yeah. like I remember in, in oh, um, daycare yeah. um, uh, there was a little boy they must have been three mm. three or four yeah. and he made fun of uh, her saying I have then. a mum and then sorry yeah. my apologies uh, you you know I've got a mum and dad and you don't and you don't have a dad and Alex said I have two mums and a dad so there <laughs> <laughs> The carer overheard it. He said, this little boy's face just dropped. And I'm sure he looked just, he wished that he had two mums and a dad too. <laughs> but, well, yeah. How yeah, lucky, she was, she how was lucky amazing at three. Yeah. yeah. I know. Well, no, I don't think Alex would ne- necessarily agree with that <laughs> because, you know, we've de- been there, done that. Yeah. You know, so they can't get away with anything, even if they wanted to. But they're such a good kid, aren't they? Oh, they're amazing. They're our savvy. I mean, the reference, you know. Absolutely so so then yeah. So we were in the paper with Alex. So when Alex was um, three months old at Christmas time. Um, so uh, yeah, she was about a baby. We're about three months old. And um, well, no, even before that, when they were born, they um, we came home, and it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was knowledge that they had been born, and we had all the media arrive at our front door. The day after we got home. Yeah, it was like Princess Kate. It was it was (laughs) really weird. So they were knocking on the door at at like seven o'clock in the morning. Hi, we hear that your little you know, your your little person's here. Can we please do a story? It's such a positive story. Um, no. no. We've only just got home and no. And so then we had that was a newspaper and then we had uh, like today tonight knocking at the door with a reporter. Can we come and do a story? No. Because you're always at your best at 7 o'clock in the morning the yeah, day after yeah. you come home from hospital. No, no, baby, aren't you? no yeah. we're not yeah. interested in doing any television at all, ever. And then we had one of the other shows, like Not Today, Tonight, or whatever the competing yeah. one was at the time, knock on the door. Oh, have they been? Because if they've offered you money, we'll offer you more. <laughs> they've offered me. How much was the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, we're not for sale and we're not doing a television story. Because that was the one thing I put my foot down with was television. It wasn't like we actually enjoyed being in the media. We didn't. We hated it. I hated it. But um, But it was a means to an end. Yeah. And we were the ones that could do it because we were out. We weren't scared. Um, So then at three months, we actually did invite a a particular journalist who had been lovely to us throughout this entire process. And she was with the West. And um, we invited her to do a story on us when Alex was three months old 
and um, she was very respectful. She was lovely, very done. respectful, very lovely. So we invited her to do a story. And so they came to the home and mum was in that story as well. Mm. And so mum came and had a photo with us and Alex at three months on our front, you know, lounge. And they did a really lovely Christmas story about uh, the arrival of Alex and how it had been such a long time coming. And must have actually felt like a Christmas miracle. Really did. Yeah. Really did. Because by this point, how old were you? Uh, well, I turned 40 two weeks after, two weeks after giving birth. Oh, my God. And I was 38. So we started at I 31. Turned, yeah, I turned 32 weeks after having my youngest yeah. child yeah. and yeah. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> 40. Yeah. I was yeah. 40, which yeah. is why my face looks like this. <laughs> <laughs> so that was eight years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, from beginning to end, it yeah. was four and a half years of IVF. Yeah, but, but from from, from thinking, very, from you know thinking what? I feel it. grown up enough to have a baby yeah. now. Yeah, to yes. actually holding that yeah. baby in your arms. Yeah, seven and a half, eight years. Yeah, an eight-year yeah. journey. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Were they worth it? Oh my goodness, a hundred <laughs> million times over. When people complain about, you haven't kids, said yes yet. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, absolutely. Uh, when people complain about having their kids home from school, you know, oh, from yeah. you know, I just I want to go. Oh my god, you're crazy. Yeah. Just love them. Just love them. That seems like a pretty good place to end the episode for today. So thank you very much for joining me for the first part of this episode. As I said, this episode is going to be in two parts. We've got probably another hour of episode to go. So join me in a fortnight. So join me in two weeks time for part two of this episode where we dig a little bit deeper and explore a few more different things with Kelly and Sam. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.